Well, then, yeah, we should we can start that if you're. I'm excited to to hear you talk. You talk really well about music. Oh well, that's no pressure. It's a lot of pressure. That's a lot and it's of early pressure. in the morning, so let's 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 get ready to let each other down. Is something that I shout a lot when I'm with someone else doing a project together that relies on both of us. Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand the present while living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. And, and Tim, I have a quick question for you. Have you heard the, the new Huey Lewis in the News album? <laughs> that's your quick question? That's, that's my quick question, because it's a yes or a no. Uh, no. No, okay. I have not. <laughs> Neither have I, and it's, it's, it's very disappointing. Oh, you own it. I saw a I photo just on Instagram. Yeah. I just bought it. It's been out for, I think, two weeks. <laughs> the look is... of it's very disappointing. I'll tell you, that cover. The look of it. Yeah, the cover is so bad. Um, could have been so much better. Especially because it's likely their last album because of his his uh, hearing issues. Oh. Um, he doesn't like hearing Huey Lewis in the news. He just likes hearing Huey Lewis. rude, sir. Because um, we're we're invested. Bob's invested, by the way, to listeners who may have joined the show after episode twelve. Uh, <laughs> Bob, I would say this is one of your favorite bands, right? Huey Lewis. Uh, yeah, also I've, the I've, news. I've loved Huey Lewis in the News since my youth, mm-hmm. um, and uh, one of my favorite bands. And I, I actually I spoke to my wife just the other day because there um, you go. Yeah, thank you. Um, Liam Gallagher has a new solo album out as well. His second another solo album. Another band you're a big fan. Oasis, another band I would equate with you. you know, many people do. And it just, it kind of, I had a conversation with my wife about the fact that Liam Gallagher has had an album out for a few weeks, maybe even a month or so. Uh, Huey Lewis in the News has their likely last album that's been out for a couple weeks. And I- people don't want to hear it? Was that what you said? Last uh, album because no one wants to hear it. No, I want to hear it. But my point that I was making with my wife is that I had not, on the day that they were released, rushed out and purchased them as I used to do um, not, you know, 10 years ago. I guess that was my my uh, my routine. Um, I would know when an album was coming out from an artist I enjoyed. I would be there the day it was released. I would purchase it and be listening to it uh, since. My life has changed a bit with my children and, and work and and money and other things. But um, yes, I made the effort yesterday and I went out and I bought my, I think, 10th uh, Huey Lewis and the News album. Um, and this all is a point, by the way, as I think you know. I do, but can I ask you a question about what you're saying? So did you know that the Huey Lewis and the News swan song and also that uh, the one of the Gallagher brothers, I've already forgot which one you said, Chris, maybe. Um, <laughs> did you know that those albums were coming out? Uh, I did, yes. You did? Those How I did. How did you know. find that out? Because, um, Well, the Huey Lewis one, um, I can't remember if I first heard it, heard that it was coming out from other people telling me, hey, your favorite band has a new album coming out. Um, but also, it just, the the press for this one, again, because of his, his hearing loss and it likely being their last album. I think that was there. And then for the Liam Gallagher one, I, I followed them. I followed the Oasis Twitter and the Liam Twitter. So That's true. And like I saw the Huey Lewis thing through the AV Club. You pick it up that yeah, way. Yeah, like, probably. Yeah, there too. 
But in your heyday, I would say, of buying music, let's say even the 90s when you were buying music, how would you hear about a band having an album coming out? Like, because you knew when the new Oasis album was out, right? And stuff uh, like that. Yeah. Um, I, I was big into uh, music magazines at that time. So I was uh, getting especially uh, Q, um, which was a, a British music publication that I would pick up in Was that also comics. your radio station back home? Um. 93Q, yes. 93Q. That's, yeah. It's mentioned on the Huey Lewis episode as well, listeners. That's right. Um, so, and and I didn't purchase Enemy as often, but I would, I would basically, I would hover around the magazine stand at, at New Era Comics or Tower Records and, and jump to their new releases or uh, upcoming releases and reviews and things. And that's how I would kind of um, catch up. And then obviously the internet would come out and I'd, I'd uh, always daily log into different uh, music websites and pay attention to what was coming. And you would buy stuff day of release? That sounded like that was a big oh, deal yeah. for you in the past. Day of release. If I knew it was coming and I knew I liked the band, it was day of release. Was there a, like was there a community feeling to that? Like going into the store? This is, I guess, before you would listen to stuff online, right? You're, you're, you still do, but you're still buying CDs or, or cassettes. Yeah. I mean, I never, my community feeling for music came when I would try and share it with people, maybe un, unwantingly uh, share it with others, like take this mixtape. But no, for me, it was it was very just about me because I would go in and I would have my my uh, my mission, this, the, the discs that I wanted. Um, and then I would explore and maybe pick up some things that looked interesting. And at the time, they had listening stations at those places. So that was always great. That's how I got into old 97s because I just happened to listen to uh, satellite rides at a, at a listening station. Today's sponsor, an old album by Old 97s. When you would go in to get this, did you have a feeling? Did it feel like other people were there? There, I guess it sounds like it was very personal to you. This was just you. There wasn't like a social energy to, hey, we're all waiting in line for the midnight release of the new, uh, God, I can't think of any band, so I'm just going to say live album. But like, so that, there wasn't that. Like, did you feel other people, or were you aware of other people in the store even picking up the stuff you were picking up? Or was I, I it- was I was not. I was never aware. And even even yesterday when I was shopping, it was head down looking at the discs. Um, it was a very crowded uh, store, but I didn't really have – it was just me in my head. Did it feel familiar though? Like yesterday when you were – I know it wasn't the same day, but like seeking out the new albums, does that sensation maintain itself through the years or has that changed a little? Yeah, no. I mean it's it's changed a bit. It sure has. And I kind of recognized it yesterday um, because I didn't know – what albums were out there, and so I made a I made a conscious effort to to walk from A to Z, and and actually kind of around. So you skipped the whole alphabet. Uh, th- no, I did I did the entire alphabet, but A3Z, I did I skipped sorry. I skipped the um, the U's and the V's. Actually, I got kind of bored. But along the way, I realized James has a new album out, and I picked that up. And the Future Heads. Uh, who hadn't had a new album for a bunch of years. I had no idea the Future Heads had a new album out, so I grabbed that. I saw your post on Instagram where it was like the pictures of what you bought, and I, I, I didn't really stop to think about it, but that photo kind of encapsulates something that I'm glad you're still doing, and it sounds like it's an effort to do. Oh, it's a total effort to do. Um, yeah, life priorities have changed. Um, money is spent elsewhere. Time is spent elsewhere. And yeah, that's so that's why I was out of the loop. As a segue, maybe, oh, here it is. As a <laughs> angle into today's episode, as, as a way of maybe approaching what we're talking about, um, would you say that you ever just buy like a single album 
by a band? Like, again, you're a completist. I know yeah. that. Are there bands that you have maybe just one album of that I, you could point yes. at and say, I know where that is? There is. Yes, and not counting not counting bands that only have one album. Yes. Um, but not even counting bands- X-Ray Specs and the band I was in. <laughs> you were in a band? Uh, no, I was trying to think of something there. It didn't oh. come together. We were called Desk Lamp Cell Phone Off. I'm just looking at <laughs> stuff on my desk. Uh, Gem Water Bottle Mouse? No. We were called Mac Computer Mothman Doll. Jesus, I have a lot of garbage in here. Goodness gracious. Uh, yes, I do purchase. I don't know if it's my intent to only purchase one album, mm-hmm. uh, but I do have several bands where I only have one album. Um Including bands that are quite prolific. Now, why is that relevant, do you think, to this podcast, particularly um, today? I think it's relevant today because that is, in fact, the, the topic for today's <laughs> yes, it podcast. Is. Thanks for sticking around, listeners. It's, 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 I can't remember how the conversation started or where the idea came from, except I know it came from you. Um, but we were talking about uh, bands that we really have an album that we love of theirs and meant something to us, if not still, at least at the time. And we never got into the band as a whole, necessarily. Like, our only knowledge of that band and their music may be this one album. Right, and, and these are bands no- that are big. Like you just said, yeah, they've either gone I mean, on to record more or had a big Exactly, like relatively big. Some of them, I think we're going to say, are quite huge. Um, but we only had interest in the one album. I don't know if maybe they're... And we'll talk about it. Maybe their style changed or, or maybe our opinion of them changed. Um, but I still, um, of the of the ones that I'm going to talk about today, I still have these albums and I still listen to them on occasion. They pop up and on my phone and I very much enjoy hearing tracks off of their this album. But uh, yeah, for whatever reason, and maybe we'll find out why, I never got into them. And I think you're the same. Yeah. No, I think uh, I, I came with a couple albums today as well. These are bands that, yeah, again, I... Well, we'll find out. Like I said, I had the one album or I listened to the one album. All three of them, I'm like, I think are very big acts. And yeah, I never, just like you said, followed up on them. So why don't we, uh, why don't we jump into this? Do you got one that you want to start off with? Yeah, I'll, I'll start off with, and this is in no particular order. So I'm going to start off with the one that I think is the biggest uh, band, the most popular um, maybe not the most prolific. In the world? Um, of, the, of the ones, of the three that I've come with. BTS. No, I don't know. No. Uh, but surprisingly, the Foo Fighters. Oh. The, uh, I, I would say the Nirvana spinoff band? Yes, the Nirvana correct? spinoff band. Dave Grohl, drummer of Nirvana, his, his band, in which he is the uh, lead singer. And I absolutely loved the album, the first Foo Fighters album. Came out in 1995. Uh, in college, uh, tragedy, you know, obviously tragic situation with Nirvana and Kurt was Cobain. It, it was the year after Kurt Cobain? I think death? it was about a year. Yeah. Um, and so I was quick to pick it up just, just because of that, because of the Nirvana and Dave Grohl uh, connection. Um, and I picked that up and loved it. Played it a lot. A uh, lot of songs uh, on mixtapes from that one. And you would think, with the way the Foo Fighters' career has gone, I would be all over it. And yeah, they're huge, right? They're still very it. huge, yeah. I would think. Um, but uh, I'm not, sir. Second album came out. I think it was called Color and the Shape. And I couldn't tell you a song off of it. 
off the top of my head, I'd have to look it up at what their their hit was, but I know there were hits because you never they had it. You never got the album. Never got the album because, but I know there were uh, hits because they did all sorts of um, popular music videos and and whatnot. And I probably enjoyed the songs off that album at the time, hearing them on the radio. But I never felt obligated to pick that album up. Obligated? That's odd. Like you didn't feel like you ha- had to pick it up. Right. Did, were you well, obligated to pick up the first one? Um, I guess I wasn't, no, I guess you're never obligated, but in my mind, in my own, in my own psyche, I felt like I needed to have the first Foo Fighters album. Well, let's think about that, because you were in college, you said 1995. Yeah. Uh, So that was either, what, sophomore, junior year? Um, Yeah, it was probably, I don't know what time of year it came out, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say sophomore year. Coming off like of like Kurt Cobain's, like, were you a Nirvana fan prior I was. to that? I was. Yeah. So there was obviously a curiosity factor. Yeah. This is the closest you'll get to a new Nirvana album. Was that at all? Like, did it? Were you anticipating this will be Nirvana just carried on? Or did I might you... have been. It's you know, it's it's a long, long time ago, Tim. Uh, so it's hard to recall exactly, but I'm sure that was a factor. Thinking, I you know, I enjoyed the 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 style of music that Nirvana. Uh, Galus, and so I'm sure this. I had this feeling that it would be something similar, and I feel like it. I got that. I feel like it kind of was. Was Dave uh, Grohl? Did you know the name prior to it? Like, is was Nirvana just to me? Nirvana was just Kurt Cobain and their band because I didn't really listen to them. He was kind of the, the 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 front person, and that's horrible. But that's how I viewed it. Did you know Dave Grohl kind of as an individual? I did. I mean, I I did listen to the band. I I uh, had their the three albums at that time i think i had um and uh I, so i knew the band members chris chris no felt no ah, i can't say his name now what's the uh, pretty well name? yeah i think he showed me this apartment i'm in right now no. <laughs> i honestly i'm i maybe it's because of the hour of the day but right now i can't even uh pronounce the the basis names yes listeners it's uh daylight savings day whatever you call it we did the clock jump ahead to earlier today it's very early in the morning uh seven something for you bob is that right yeah yeah so i'm just just Important throwing that out information there. yeah i think so i appreciate you so normally it would be six something your yes. time, so. but Ouch. no i knew i knew uh who dave Grohl was <laughs> um, it, yeah and what was the experience in listening to it like once you got into that album um i loved it it was a, a decent experience. It was pretty raw. Um, I think I discovered or learned. I don't know if I learned at that time or later, but um, he didn't really have a band. It, he he did most of the instrument uh, instrumentation um, when he recorded it. I, um, the band kind of formed after when he was getting the tour group together. And I think that group and, you know, its members have gone in and out, but that's there's been a, a band that that have recorded since and maybe that's why i didn't get into the second one it, it did have a slightly different sound um simply because other people were playing the instruments uh, but it was still a foo fighters album it's it's just surprising because like you said before you know me as a completist um and so here we're going to talk about like why didn't i feel like i needed to get that other album because you liked it you liked that first foo fighters album. oh yeah a lot um, do you remember how long after the next one came out? Like, I don't know if this just in terms of time frame was something up or. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but let me see if I can look it up, sir. Um, two years later. Okay. So the second album came out in 97. And maybe that's why. 
now that we're talking about it. Uh, we gradu- graduated in 97. Maybe there was too much going on at that time. But though that that's bullshit because I was buying all sorts of other albums um, at that time. So that can't possibly be it. Yeah. But the sounds of that first album, like, I, and I'm sorry if I'm making you repeat it. Maybe I missed it. That, from what I understand, I don't know the album well, it doesn't sound like a Nirvana album, right? No, not really. But you went into it anticipating that, didn't well, you? Well, I anticipated, you know, um, that genre. Yeah. Uh, and Which I, it's not, right? I mean, I kind of think it still is. It's a it's an alternative rock album, for is sure. Is Big Me off that album? Uh, yes, Big Me is on that one. That's not a Nirvana sounding. I like that song, but that's not a Nirvana sounding song. No, I song. guess not. I guess not. But a lot of the other ones are. Uh, this is a call, which was, I think, the first single. Um, kind of has a Nirvana esque sound to it. Uh, but then, yeah, it's got some. Uh, uh, definitely, it's it's a a change. Um, it's it's Dave Grohl's uh, music, and so obviously, it's not going to be exactly the same. But was that surprising to listen to? Um. No, I mean it was it was a new artist, so essentially. So it was like you're trying something out then. Yeah. And you still listen to it? We don't pull my CDs off the shelf and, and pop them in like we used to. It's it's everything is uploaded to uh, my phone, and so the the album is on my phone, and and when it comes on, uh, I listen to it. I don't skip it. Yeah. So I still listen to it in that respect. I will. It might even be one of the things I turn up as I'm driving around, listen to it, or or listen to uh, to my headsets at work or something. But yeah, it's still it's still listened to. I don't equate this album to you. I don't think of you as liking sure. Gabriel. Not that you don't. And that makes sense because, like you said, and this is the point I'm going to go. I'm going to drive home with you because I don't know if I'm there with music for this. Right. You are a completist. So my assumption would be like at least. Maybe not now, but you'd have at least a decade of those albums there. You would think. And you, you can't really pinpoint why. Especially because I really like the album. And I enjoyed the band. So what was the pull? What was the, the change? What wasn't the drive? Which is a weird thing to ask. I don't know. It could be because at that time, I was shifting my musical tastes. Um, and so maybe I just wasn't in the mood for that sound again. But is there another band of that time, maybe that 95, and we're going to see if on my list too, 95 was a big year for music. There was a lot of stuff coming out. Are there other bands that released something in 95 that you stuck with, that you, you held on to? Um, I'm sure I did. I mean, I, I don't have a, a list of, of, of albums that came out in 95, but um, I mean, Oasis was releasing albums um, at that time. and I'm I, Left and right, it felt like. It felt like because at that time I was picking up their, their singles too. And so there were there is this constant flow of, of manageable uh, album lengths. There are singles, new music coming from Oasis. Um, gosh, uh, name name some other bands from that era um, that that I was still buying things. Well, I can name one because one of them is of one of the ones I have on my list. What's yours, sir? Uh, so one of the albums I had, and it wasn't their first album, but an album that came out uh, came out March fourteenth, nineteen ninety five, that I I adored. Um, was um, it's an album called A Boy Named Goo, and it's by uh, the Goo Goo Dolls. And honestly, even then, I didn't even own it, but I do remember I borrowed your copy. Yeah, because I, I owned it. You know, I borrowed it a lot, listened to it a lot. And to be honest, the, the, the Goo Goo Dolls were not a band I knew. You know, I didn't know them in 1995, um, even though they've been around since like 1986. They're out of Buffalo, New York. But um, 
I, I think at the time they were constantly compared to like Soul Asylum and they were compared to the replacements. And those were two bands I, 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 I do like, did like, is very knee deep in. Is that what got you to borrow my album when you saw I had it because you heard that they were similar to the replacements, your favorite band? No, I, I think I think it really was the music. I mean, there's a lot of hit singles off of this. You know, there's Flat Top, Long Way Down, Name, Jesus, the fucking Name. name and yeah. Um, even I think that's unusual. That was on the Angus soundtrack. These songs, when they came out, they felt very immediate. They felt emotionally right then and there. You know, they this this band I thought was the hard rocking punk band of the '90s, which is embarrassing <laughs> because uh, we have a musical history that has X-ray specs and Richard Hell and bands like that. Right. Um, you know, but for some reason, this was called punk in 1995. Was it? I think so. I thought so. I, I it was one of those crossover things into the radio, wasn't it? I would have uh, known it better as alternative, but... Were they an alternative band? Because I don't think I would have been drawn to them if they had that label. Really? Well, that's something we should talk about someday, too, is is how labels affect um, our interest in, in music. And society in general. True, true. But yes. But uh, yeah, I guess I mean I guess I wasn't necessarily calling this album punk. I, maybe I wasn't calling it an alternative. It, it really it, it was just it was these songs. I didn't know anything about the band, but the songs, the guitar and the voice, you know, they they mesh that raspy, strained, you know, like squinting your eyes while you air guitar sound. That is what I thought an inner monologue should sound like. You know, that's what at like nineteen or twenty, you know, that was the immediate moment that I. Felt and, and heard. So when the lyrics came through that voice, it all just felt like this is now. This is immediate. Would you say you really loved the album? I mean, you loved it enough to borrow it. Did you ever actually buy it? Actually, I, when I turned 30, I had a big 1995 party. In 2005, I turned 30. So I thought 95, when I turned 20, was the best year of my life. So I threw a party that was all 90s, whatever. Oh, I and wish to I'd make been the to mixed that party. discs for it. What was that? I wish I had been invited to that party. Uh, you're on another coast? I know. Um, that's why Sorry. I wish. Did it not get there? Maybe it got lost in The Post. <laughs> um, that, that wonderful Tom Hanks movie, The Post. But um, I bought, this was one of the albums I bought because I just, I was like, I got to put more of these tracks on. And it was great. And I do love the album. I mean, I, I think it played well. And this is maybe why the album played well. Um, in that at that time, like a song like Ain't That Unusual. Do you know that track? Um, not off the top of my head. But I'm sure once I started playing, because this is another one that could have made my list. I have this album, but nothing, nothing else from the Goo Goo Dolls. You had it as often as it wasn't in my room. I mean, even when we were roommates, I would borrow this a lot and sometimes ask. Uh, there's a lyric in Ain't That Unusual that I, I, I just wrote down. I have to my collection and make sure I actually have it and that, that your purchase of it, I'm making the air quotes, that your purchase of it wasn't actually taking my album. It was very affordable and bi-coastal, so I don't know. But... Um, I don't know this this album played into like the mid nineties was when I was discovering and I don't know if it's sincere but a sense of like nihilism sort of the sense of like everything's phony you know and like that's why Ain't This Unusual has a lyric um, all we are is all we're told and most of that's been lies it's like a made for TV movie and I just blew my lines it sounds silly to recite it but at the time that was me you know wrapped up in you know, it's wrapped up in this idea of TV, and it's, it's talking about how what you're being told is not sincere, we're not real. And I needed to hear that in college. I needed to hear that in my life, because I didn't have to be at college. I didn't have to pursue 
like a diploma-based job. I didn't have to be this person that I really felt like society was telling me to be, which is a waste of tuition money. But that song and other songs in this album became anthems. You know, I don't, again, I don't think they inspired this feeling because they're already brewing, but the, it, it kind of gave it a tune. So do you think maybe that feeling changed when the next album came out and you, and you no longer had an interest in, in, in hearing those anthems? You were on to something else? I don't think it was on to something else, but I do think the next album coming out, I mean, they, they followed the trajectory. We did an episode on Green Day's Dookie, which we mentioned, maybe I'll link in the show notes. And I think the same thing happened with Green Day is that when I found this Google Doll, when I found your copy of this Google Dolls album, just like when I found Dookie, you know, they seemed to be the perfect group for me to find. And I think a lot of people felt like that because a lot of people found it. So obviously, and thankfully, both of these bands, they got popular, rightfully so, got popular and got famous and everyone was talking about them. So by the time, and I think it was a couple years, but by the time the Google Goo Dolls follow up, which might be Dizzy Up the Girl, I'm not even sure, came out. That, that's correct. In 1998. Is that oh, three years later? Wow, your mind is like having an internet browser. Oh, open. isn't it? It's yeah. like, I don't know. It's, I can't make a Wikipedia pun off the top of my head. Wikipedia. Yeah, there you go. See, you're good with the puns. Oh, at, I'm looking at, this one up right now. That there's a, I, I went to Wikipunia <laughs> and then I got out there. There you go. Um, but this album. By the time Next Google's Dolls came out, and I don't know if it's because everybody was talking about it. I'm sure that played into it. But the idea of the Goo Goo Dolls was never what was relevant about this album. It, this is one of those, not trophy albums, but it represents part of a year of my life. Right. And there was no need to follow it up because, one, I wasn't, well, this contradicts it, I guess. Like I was, I didn't think of 1995 at the time as the year. It was all still you know, when the next album came out, it was all still very connected. It was still ongoing, but I had the album. I had the words. I had the thoughts. I had other things I was into. So maybe by the time the album came out, I was just into more music. Yeah. Bands that I actually liked the bands. I was backtracking and, and, right. and anticipating new albums that there wasn't even space to want to hear more. Yeah. That's a very similar take um, on one of my other albums, if, if you're okay with moving on to that. Or did totally you have, okay. Okay. Um, basically, almost everything you just said um, fits for my um, enjoyment of the Smashing Pumpkins album, Siamese Dream. Now, this is an album I like. I like Siamese Dream. Do you like the band, the Smashing Pumpkins? That is a tricky question because I like songs on this album. I like songs on their next album. So my guess would be yes, but I never... I don't think I've owned any Smashing Pumpkin albums. I've just had tracks copied. Right. So, so I've I own uh, the only Smashing Pumpkins album I own is Siamese Dream, and it was very similar. It was of that moment. It was like a discovery um, during a time where I was really starting to discover and get into music. You were um, in high school, right, when that came? No. Out? Um, I, well, it came out in '93, so I guess I could have been in high school. But I didn't discover the album until freshman year college. Um, and I discovered it. They used to, do you remember they had the kiosks playing music videos? Yes. Yeah, so I always saw Frank Black and PJ Harvey. PJ Harvey, right? The Which which song was that? The, uh, the um, Big underwater. Fish, Little Fish Underwater, so, yeah. maybe? Yeah. They played that one all the time. But they also played um, 
Siamese Dream. Uh, I can't remember the song that they played, but they played that. And that's where I discovered the song, and I absolutely loved it. And uh, I picked up the album. And it was probably today off that album. That oh, I played. love that song. That's my favorite yeah. song. And Did this, you not know them from the singles soundtrack? Um, no, because I don't think I picked up the single soundtrack until my freshman year of college. Really? Yeah. Because I wasn't buying a lot of music until I got to Boston. So time, this timed itself well. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, places I could go to uh, to buy albums in, in Oneida, New York. My music intake really started in, in Boston, my freshman year of college, and this album was one of them. And this album to me is like, this is a college album, my college album. Siamese um, Dream is? Yeah. I mean, at least my freshman, sophomore year, because because it was just, it was totally different than what I had been listening to previously, my Billy Joel's and my Huey Lewis um, and my Harry Connick. Um, All varying different sounds. Were they? Yeah, I guess. No, they yeah. would, I would say that each of those one would be a fan of, but. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're like that to me is also my mom's favorite bands, you know? Uh, so it was, it was the, the adult contemporary uh, high school me um, kind of discovering in college that there's actually some raw, you know, emotional music out there. Joe, we'll be right back after these messages. Hey everyone ever, this is Tim Blevins, and sorry to break up the show with one of the same voices that co-hosting uh, the show, but I wanted to talk to you for a minute about a band. Which band? How about that one band, that specific band, that only band that matters? I'm talking about Westerbergs, Stinsons, Mars, and Dunlapses, straight out of Twin Tone and not at all Soul Asylum. It's The Replacements, the most impactive band of my existence, and starting this April, I'm streaming a a five-day-a-week deep dive into figuring out why. It's every studio album in original order and one track at a time. That means talent show. That means color me impressed. That probably means Gary's got a boner. The show is called What's That Song? And you can hear the sincerity of it all when it debuts April 20th on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and probably some other podcast catcher. Visit the Not A Hologram homepage at nahpods.com and click on the link to subscribe from the very beginning. I'm becoming that person who talks about music all the time. And you can listen every day, well, except the weekends, to What's That Song, premiering April 20th at nahpods.com. Not a hologram, it's a podcast. Now, was Siamese Dream the the key to that door? Was that maybe the bridge that brought you over? Or did that wasn't like Pearl Jam or something? Uh, it was probably Pearl Jam more than Siamese Dream, but but this was along the same lines for sure. Sure. Um, and maybe because Pearl Jam, I followed and was more completest with Pearl Jam. Um, Pearl Jam is like a, an all the time band. Yeah. Like, there isn't an era. For me, I mean, yeah, I'll listen to like 10 and, and I, I'll feel like college again or, or high school. Um, but because I haven't listened to a whole bunch of 
uh, Smashing Pumpkins, when I hear tracks off a of Siamese Dream, that's that's college. That's it, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that that's it. It's like the, the vibe of it, the the angst of it, um, just fit my my tone at the time. Um, and I, I just absolutely love the album. And it's surprising. And that's, that's why I was really interested in talking about this. I c- want to come to an understanding. It's like, what about the next album or what about the band didn't get me interested or keep me interested? Because you would think that it's like some an album that I absolutely love so much, um, but I had no no desire to follow it up with with the next album. Maybe it's because the next album uh, was Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, and it was a, a, a double album. <laughs> too and much album. It was just too much album. It was too much of a big deal. But you had extremes, three sides to every story. Shit, yeah. And by track three, that's too much album. <laughs> well, thanks for calling that out. Well, it's in, it'll be in the show notes, listeners. <laughs> Bob owns extreme three sides to every story. And I we'll, no longer would have told you in 1994 that. how important that I album was. Uh, yeah. Well, that was, again, that was the young, naive me discovering music. And so, you know, to, to, been to, in to, court. Yeah. So, so that album. Um, yeah, it just was just a young kid being like, wow, look at the concepts that they're going for here. Um, and not having discovered something like, I think, you know, listening to a Siamese dream is probably why I was like, you know what? I can trade this one in. I can trade this extreme album in and, and get something <laughs> That's else. interesting. Cause I, I do think they came out at the same time. Oh, did they? Um, I could be wrong on that, but you have, you had a history with extreme Siamese dream was new. Let me ask you, and this is a trade I I know I have. It's not one I think of you having, but I'm wondering if it's playing into it. You said you saw probably today by the Smashing Pumpkins, just you know, in college on this kiosk while you're sitting there, you know, new situation all by yourself, and this song comes on. A lot of times with those videos, by the way, I couldn't hear it; I could just see it because of where I was sitting. But if you're hearing it, you're seeing this video, so you're attached to that in the moment. Yes. You're there. You're in a new place. You're finding yourself. You're attached to it. There's the song. Song becomes the band. Now you can go find the band. And this happens probably with most music, to be honest. But by the time Melancholy and, and Infinite Sadness came out, people were talking about Smashing Pumpkins. Sure. They were a big band, they were huge. I think. Right? Yeah. There was a lot of anticipation for that second album. So there was anticipation. There was people talking about it. And again, there was people talking about the next Pearl Jam albums to use that. We always went out for those. Like we have a whole episode on Versus about how excited we were for that. So it's not that we're immune to the hype and the excitement of a group mentality but do you think just because smashing pumpkins came out of nowhere in a new environment it wasn't like it came across the radio which is how i'm going to assume you found pearl jam it wasn't like how you discover music now where you know how to discover music now this was something you found like you said in a transition period before you understood maybe the concept of music collecting before you understood maybe the idea of finding genre music like the idea of music as your life was burgeoning and starting and this band came in purely because you're experiencing it in a way that you had it and probably can't multiple times do you think that in some way empowers it so that it's not that you don't want to follow the band it's just maybe this album meant more than it actually would have to you anywhere else at any other time like maybe this isn't the kind of album you would normally say like and i love this 
it is I like this, but because of what it hit, is the moment, is the place in life, and is how it's tied into events with those little strands of experience and synapses going off. Is is does that kind of put it on a pedestal so that nothing can achieve it? So it is something other than an album by a band. Yeah. I think that that's very true. I think that's a a very good way to put it because um because I didn't know the band and I was just really getting to know the music and the album. Um, and, and yeah, like you're saying, and having it tied to the experiences of college and, and musical growth. Um, I think, yeah, it, it couldn't, you could, I couldn't repeat it. And then too, I think now that I'm kind of thinking about it, um, the more I learned of the band, I maybe, I don't know if I was, turned off by what I'm learning about the band, but I was like, this isn't really the band itself. Isn't necessarily my cup of tea. Um, and it it was, I don't know if I'm, if this is correct, but maybe I was thinking it was a little bit more goth than I wanted to be or, uh, like, or that I was into at that time. I was happy to be discovering goth as you called it, but golf, but that's like the, yeah, that's, that's interesting that learning about the band or the genre after the fact makes you not want further albums, but this one sticks in. I mean, honestly, part of what we're describing, though, is how any discovering any music works the first time. Like your very first, first Huey Lewis in the News song to go back to that superstar group of the <laughs> 80s. The first time you heard it, it was a song. I think you said you heard it on your aunt's radio or something. Yeah. So you wouldn't have known who they were then either, but that's a band you grew and stuck with. Yeah. But this, yeah, I don't know. I'm because Smashing Pumpkins is still a band. It's got a different lineup, I guess, but they're still around. Yeah. It's definitely a name, you know. It's definitely a band people talked about. They have more albums. But yeah, Siamese Dream and a couple tracks off the Melancholy album are, are what I know. Yeah. And I like the songs of the singles that I know off of Melancholy. But then after that, I couldn't tell you if I've even ever heard another um, Smashing Pumpkins song. Well, if you stuck to the credits of Batman and Robin, you did. Oh, I. So there you go then. I heard it then. But no, yeah, I don't it's it's interesting because also I like or not like, but it's curious that it sounds like you don't like the band Smashing Pumpkins. It's kind of yeah. I, I don't mean I, to put that in your mouth. I feel like maybe I forced that a little no, bit. No, I, I I don't really I don't dislike them. It's not I don't have a problem with them, but like the band uh I I like the album. I don't care for the band. I don't need to follow the band. Can an album just be itself without an attachment to the band? I know that that's all in the mind, but like... I mean, in the mind, it can be because that's what Siamese Dream is for me. It is. Yeah. Huh. And then there are other albums where it's like, I just don't even... I never get to know the band. It's really just the album. But you're never inclined to pursue the band with those albums. I guess I'm wondering what yeah. makes that difference. Like, I uh-huh. I have a... One of the ones on my list is actually a band that I've never had an interest in. I know. I know of them, but I've never pursued anything else. I just had this one album. Do you do you know the band? I mean, I know you do. I don't know why I'm phrasing this way. Uh, Buffalo Tom. I do know that band. Do you like Buffalo Tom? Yeah, I have an interesting uh, path with Buffalo Tom. But uh, they're a Boston band. What what uh, from the '80s? What what is what is your your past with Buffalo Tom? Uh, my path is that I discovered them with their um, A sides album, their greatest hits album. Um, so, uh, I don't know. They must have had three or four, maybe five albums before that. Oh, okay. Um, 
so their A-Sides album came out in 2000. And so oh. I picked that up. Again, That's this is really the, the heart of me trying to collect music. So I did that um, and, and I knew the title and maybe I'd heard stuff from you, um, the, the name of the band. And so I picked up that album. And then from there, I went back and I picked up their 1998 album, Smitten which I absolutely love. And then I've picked up every album since I have not gone back and picked up their previous albums, but I believe you have one that you want to talk about. I have one. And here's the thing. I don't think you got into, maybe I misheard you. I don't think you got into them because of me talking about them. Cause I didn't talk about them that I remember. Um, they have an album that was released on March 10th, 1992, an album called let me come over. Um, and again, just in case listeners don't know, they're like a jangly pop sounding band, you know, they're, they're very much this, you know, they sound a little bit like later day Lemonheads or Toad the Wet Sprocket, maybe. Yeah. It's, it's a band. Like, I feel like when I think of the nineties, I think there's the grunge movement. And then I think of this kind of music sound, whatever it was called, right. You know, a little poppier, a little more like, uh, maybe rom romantic comedy kind of sounding, but you know, that's sort of the, the, the musical movement that I'm more i guess maybe attached to than grunge i feel like it was around the same time but yeah does that make sense i don't know uh, yeah no it does yeah. is it necessary we can probably cut it but no, no, no. the album what the album i this buffalo tom album uh, let me come over i didn't know it when it came out you know i didn't know it i would have been in high school when it came out i didn't know that i didn't know their name at the time i didn't know their their, their sound the the i didn't hear this album until heading to um boston until I was in Boston at Emerson College um, for our, like you were saying, I think with Siamese Dream, you know, we were freshmen. My freshman year is the first time I heard this album. And the way that I heard it was it was on um, a cassette, a mixtape, as we used to call it. Um, my best friend from high school, Nate, before I left for college, made me a little uh, cassette to play. It was a 90-minute tape, had two sides. On one side, there was Sugar's copper blue album do you know sugar i Bob do know sugar. second band yeah, yeah. so I, I stuck with them so i was on one side but on the other side of the tape there was this buffalo tom album so he so, made you a tape of just two two albums yeah i guess it's not really a mixed disc it's more of like an arrangement of two albums so two albums i think he thought were important to me wow would be important to me the, the sugar one maybe because he that was he was discovering that and loving that um but this one i don't know why he picked it but um you know, it was on this cassette. I didn't have the album art. I didn't have a picture of what the band looks like. To be honest, I, I, I don't even know if I had the album, like the band name on it. I think I must have. I don't know if I had the album on it, but it was just these songs uh, listed on that paper flap in nice calligraphy, beautiful calligraphy, because Nate is an astounding artist. Um, and back then it was cassette Walkmans that we have. So I couldn't just skip around tracks. I, I had to play the tape in real time or figure out the rewind, stop, rewind, stop to find certain tracks if I want to hear a specific track. Um, so I don't know, just when I got to Boston and I started walking around, you know, walking along the Charles, walking along Beacon Street, trying to find my voice and articulation class at, at a <laughs> building, whatever it was, yeah. all of these songs and this album were, were, just the things on that cassette like i wasn't even sure they existed anywhere else like siamese dream it was the songs um not the band and i'm very touched when i listen to the album it's a very powerful album to listen to but yeah i don't i've never had an interest in them as a band it that's 
it's strange how that works. I mean, sometimes it's all you need, I guess, is is that that one album. And that, I mean, I guess this correlates too to to songs. You know, if we if we kind of break it down, I'm sure there are songs that you and I both absolutely love, but we've never actually bought that album that it's on. Yeah, and I think what's weird is I think that's coming back around again for me. Because we talk about being completists, and it used to be if you heard something you like, you either could make a mixtape, but then when cassettes fell out of fashion, there was that weird period where between cassettes and CDs, I couldn't make mixed CDs, so I had to buy the albums, mm. and I liked buying the albums. Yeah. Now, because I can stream stuff, I can find one or two songs by a band and just listen to them. Do you ever want, like, are there any new songs that you hear that you're like, I want to pick up that album? Or is it just because of the way music is delivered to you now and into and, and the world now, there's just not a need? Well, there are plenty of new songs and new artists, some who are releasing right now and some who I find right now, who I do seek out. But because I'm streaming it, what happens is I pull a couple of songs and I put them on a playlist. So I get to really know those. And then every now and then I'll click on the artist and listen to a full album. So I'm getting to know them and I could recognize the song if I came on, but not having the CD, yeah, it changes a little bit of my relationship with it. Like I'm less inclined to be able to tell you, like Mitski is an artist who I really like, M-I-T-S-K-I, if I'm pronouncing that right. She's been recording for the past 10 years. I've only ever known her digitally. I've only ever known her through the Google Play app that I have. And I, one, would have a hard time telling you which albums certain things are to listen to. And two, Without the CD and the ability to make a mixtape or a mixed cassette, I don't have a way other than saying, hey, look this up to, to physically share it with you. I don't have a way of saying, here are some things I like. I can send you a list. Like, that's what I do now in Texas. Hey, have you heard? And I'll send a YouTube link to someone. Yeah. But that feels different. Totally different. Yeah. Completely different. And you're not putting as much, at least it sounds like, uh, as much effort into it either. Like, you're not curating something from song to song um or like sitting there and listening it's like okay i know i need to put this band on here which song am i going to do and let me let me kind of just play a bit of each and see what fits the tone that i'm going for so there's not as much in, invested um into that process do you make mixed discs or playlists for people still do you do um, that work i i used to i haven't in a while because of this drive situation that we're taking too long to uh to fix um oh the the computer drive yes yeah um but yeah no no i i used to um i would uh and and again it's, it's me this is just me i don't know who else does this but um there'd be situations at, at work maybe it was a very difficult time maybe we got through a hard project and i would uh um put a mix together of, of like a celebration songs or something. Or I remember that people were stressing out. So I did some calming songs and I shared that, uh, with the group, you know, cause, cause, uh, I would just burn 12 discs or whatever, uh, whoever was on my team that needed it. Um, now I, I run, this is weird, but, um, I run a three day a week, uh, global conference call, uh, with the team. <laughs> You're laughing at that because that sounds ridiculous, I'm sure. Globe, globe, con, con. <laughs> globe, com, con. I con, call. No, globe, con, com. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> so I've been- Global this, core. Do you know that from Time Travelers and Mystery Science Theater? I think I do, yeah. Okay. Um, but I've been at this job for a while and, and one of the things that, that is sort of routine is uh, you set a call for nine o'clock or whatever. 
Um, and you don't actually start until 9.04 because you're letting everybody that was on a previous call get off that call and then get on this call. And most of the time, it's just dead air. And so um, last year, I started, because I was doing this three days a week, I figured, you know what? I'm going to play some hold music. <laughs> and so I started just picking some random tracks that I enjoy and uh, I felt, you know, weren't offensive. And uh, I would hold up my phone uh, to my mic as other people were waiting to sign in. And it's become sort of like uh, I'm like a radio DJ. So I'm finding ways to share music. But um, no, I, I, I of late haven't done a playlist. If my if my system was working, if the drive was working, for sure, I'd be um, sharing playlists. Um, in fact, uh, I thought of trying to get the disc, uh, the whole situation fixed this past Christmas and giving out um, uh, stocking stuffers of mixed CDs. Oh, that's I used to, I used to, every Christmas people would get mixtapes or discs for me for a while. And then oh, I used to do that too. I had a stop uh, listening. Yeah. The favorites from the year. Yeah. Well, and this might be a way to wrap it up. And I think sure. that in what you're saying, I'm going to maybe even go this way. Like the idea of what you're doing with your your phone walking to and from the mic with a particular song, but maybe to backstep a little to this idea of mixtapes or mixed CDs or, or curating. You keep saying curating yeah. or you've said it in the past. When you curate a I list did. of I music. I said it once on this episode. Yes. I said the word curate <laughs> once. I keep But if you hit that 30 <laughs> second back thing on your iPod <laughs> podcast catcher, you can hear it again. When you curate, I've said it a lot, I guess. <laughs> curate. Am I saying it right? Curate. Curate. Cur- curate. Curate. When you curate a list of songs and you're giving them to someone, you're curating. Are you curating? Now I can't stop saying it. Are you Are you presenting to that person the songs with the hopes of, hey, listen to this song? Or are you presenting the person with the songs by an artist in the hopes that you're like, if you like this song, check out the artist? Like, is yeah. there a difference there? Um yeah, there's a difference there, and it used to be check out this artist. That was my, that was my drive um, in the '90s and early 2000s. It was check out oh. this artist, um, and now it's more just about enjoy this this uh, tonal collage. It's more about mm-hmm. the songs now. For me, it was always about here is the song of the artist. I think you should like this song because in my head, it's like they already have to like the artist. There's no choice. But huh. I bring that up because I and I'm. I'm not sure. I don't necessarily know where where to go with this, but I'm wondering if this, you know, and wondering why it would be that we could love an album so much and never have an interest in following up. Because that is that is a bizarre, whacked out concept. Given what we do on the show, how we interact, and how we talk about music, that you, that neither one of us would have the drive to get another Foo yeah. Fighters album, to get another Buffalo Tom album. That doesn't make sense, right? It does not. But inherently, in what you were saying about the different reasons of, of of making a play a playlist for someone at some point and i don't know in terms of our own the span of our life i don't know when it happened but some experiences present the music as the band that we identify with you know there's a word that i hate that people use all the time brand you know that's that's your brand pop right. culture is all about brands now star wars transformers whatever um, and I like Star Wars. And I like Transformers. They mean a lot to me. And they're all encompassing, you know? I like the comics. I like the cartoons. I like the toys. It's also possible and less common, but probably possible to really indulge, live, and inhabit the single piece, which is what these albums are. You know, not be like, now I have to get the hairstyle of the artist. Now I got to 
you know, see the artist on tour. I got to know the things the artist knows. And, and, you know, that stuff's fun to do. Right. And that's how we discover things. But every now and then, and I don't know how, something will just exist as the piece. And I find it's harder for this to happen now because we can just see a movie we'd like, see a performance in it. We'd like type that person into our phone and now we have their history. Now we can be, we can like that person. That's a great tool to have. I'm not putting the tool down. I'm just saying that I don't know. I still don't know why I wasn't driven to pursue these artists, why the album of big name artists that were easy to pursue, why that album matters. And I guess, I mean, I do guess it's so entwined in a moment, but all of these things are. My love of the replacements comes from moments of these songs. My, you know, my, my, my love of Anne Magnuson comes from moments of her showing up in things that I like. These things... I don't know what the difference is. And that's confusing to me. It's confusing yeah. that I that either one of us would have approached pop culture like that back then. Yeah. It's it's an enigma. And I don't know that we answered it. I was hoping we could figure it out today. Yeah, I I know it's tied into something with the moment. And for me, I think a yeah. little of it might be tied into everybody gets into it. Cause then it's like I'm trying to think what's an artist I got into that I really loved that started becoming big immediately following that I stuck with. You know, I really got into Liz Fair. She kind of already had an album out when I got into her. And it wasn't like she ever was huge. She was very big in the community, but it wasn't like, and now Liz Fair is on a big stage or something. Well, you stuck with Pearl Jam. Yeah, but I got into them with 10. I got into them at the beginning. Right. Yeah, you're right. And then it got, and then they got huge and you stayed with them anyway. Not with them anymore. It's after Vitology I stopped. So oh, I got three of their albums. You can go no code. No, I don't have no 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 code. No no code. No avocado album. Oh, yeah. Their guac album. I hate that word. I have Pearl uh, Jam guac. So completest wise, yeah, I, I still have all Pearl Jam albums. I haven't missed one. I haven't here's the thing about being a completist. I don't know a song off like their last two. Mm-hmm. But I have their last two but you albums. I have them out of a responsibility to the band or maybe yeah. a comfort or something, but it's yeah. that completism. Yeah. And I guess it's something we'll have to explore again in the future. I don't think we're getting to it exactly, but I am fascinated by this idea that there are these albums. And I'm, and I, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I just, I looked at your, I think my filter for the world is cartoons and then comic books. That's, my main thing music seems to be how you talk how you relate how you exist in a way that's your pop culture niche niche whatever sure and so i i would like to come back to this at some point because yeah it's odd to me what was that sorry clearing my throat uh yeah we'll do a part two yeah because you picked some bands that that food fighters as an example and smashing pumpkins they're big bands that only got bigger but you isolated what you and you got maybe that's what it is you got what you wanted out of the art but then that that sort of uh, alludes to the fact that i need more from the art of other artists and is that art ever really any different it's still the same band so isn't the vibe still the same like i don't know of that bands necessarily there are some especially those that last for decades that change their sound and their, their topics of song and things. But, uh, don't, you know, isn't Pearl Jam basically singing the same thing all the time? Well, I don't know. Cause I don't listen to them, but the three albums I listen to now, no, I, 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 and I think, you know, I think you can tie into a band that always sounds the same. And then they're one, you know, I think a band can be garbage that you like, and then they do a Janie's got a gun. You're like, look how different this sounds. But <laughs> I, 
I think, you know, artists within the band are as varied as all of us. They have a lot to say. Good artists. They have a lot to present, to perform. And I think a band, like, you know, look at Belly, a band that we both love, that doesn't have that many albums. I only know two albums. I know they've had some since. Those albums have a sound. I could probably pick out the Belly sound, but those songs are very individual. Those songs are telling different stories or approaching different things. So I, I think there are artists we stick with because... Whatever whatever that particular artist or one of the artists in there is going through or dealing with, we can relate to some of that. Maybe there's a similar trajectory for a little while. So we, we, we jive or connect with those songs. And maybe they veer off into a new thing. Like now they're a father and they're writing about kids. Or yeah, now they're yeah. whatever it is, they discovered country or, or they discovered like Bob Dylan did when he went through his, 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 his born again phase. Like there are phases where suddenly it's like, well, I don't relate to something there. So we veer away. But I think the bands we stick with are because whether or not it's sincere, that artist struggling with their music to explore something happens to coincide with what we're struggling through. Yeah. The albums maybe are these albums we tap into. It's like, here's the one thing we shared. Like you and I shared a first year at Emerson College. You and I don't share having kids. So those are two different experiences. I'll listen. I actually will listen to both, but I'm going to relate to the college one. And that's the one I'm going to know. I'm not going to be able to relate to the kids ones because I don't have that. So maybe, maybe inherently in that, we're just looking at bands where it's like they hit on something at the right time. And then that was all we needed. Right. And if this is all you needed, <laughs> well, then you got it. Cause that's, that's the end of the show, right? No, that's perfect. Okay. I think the Except end of the show was, was eight minutes ago. But Oh, crap. Yeah. So backtrack on That's your podcast. That's my fault because I, I, I've asked a follow-up question. I should not have done that, but we're good. We're, we're good. We're pretty good. The follow-up on the follow-up question, pretty good. And what's pretty good? Well, 20th century pop is pretty good. If you <laughs> like it enough, let's say you're like, I'll listen to it. I'll have it playing when I'm driving in noisy traffic. Um, then, uh, you know, why not subscribe to it? You can subscribe to the show. That way you get a new episode every, well, every other week, a new episode. Every week you get something. Some of them are reruns. Some are new. Uh, but you can check us out at 20popcast.com. That's the main website. Um, it'll be changing soon. We'll get you details of that next show. But for now, you can still go there. Uh, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast catcher you're just skipping around with those 30-second buttons on. Uh, the most recent episode is always up on the main screen. We have links to all the past episodes there as well. So you can stream them right on the site. Uh, still updating a few of those links, but most of the episodes should be there. If you're on Twitter, you can follow us at 20popcast. If you're on Instagram, you can follow us at 20popcast there. Um, And the big favor that I always ask, if you are listening to the show, if you're enjoying the show this week, I'll say this week, maybe with this one, share it. Share the episode in one of your social media feeds or share it with a friend. If there's someone you think would like to listen to a show that is sort of exploring how pop culture built us to where we are and what it means to now question that maybe in, in your mid-40s or just later in life, find an episode that you like and maybe pass it along just out of curiosity because we are trying to build the audience and that's cheaper than paying for promotion. Bob? Uh, yeah, I'm still here. Um, <laughs> I oh, The favor I always ask is to get your feedback and your input on on today's topic. So I would love for you to follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at R.H. Canning. And, you know, just at us with your album that means something to you from a band that, you know, went on to to make four, five, six more albums, but really you only care for that one and have no interest in the other. What's yours? 
Yeah, no, that's, that sounds good. Which, what's in your CD system? <laughs> no. But yes, what Bob said is good. Um, anything else? Anything you want to mention? I'm or? good today, man. You're good today. You're pretty good. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah. go back to bed. All right, that's true. Well, let everyone set those clocks forward. Sorry today's original topic of outbreak fell apart, but it just didn't seem relevant to anything that's going on in the world. So we did this. So we did this. I feel like you don't have anything else. I thought that outbreak reference was a very good way to end it. You did? (laughs) No. (laughs) But I did want it to end. You know what? Do you have to pee or anything? No, I uh, I did that right when I woke up. 20 I did two minutes ago. But I have to again. I'm gonna be one minute. I'll be right back. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, it's no problem. <clears throat> so, listeners at home, I have a text from Tim uh, prior to starting this recording where he says, "Just have to pee. Be right there." So I assumed he peed then, which is about 25 minutes ago, and then he sent me the link. And now he's peeing again, so he must be drinking a lot of coffee, as he indicated earlier. Not that you have heard this, because this is not worthy of even a clip show. So, there you go. Thanks for listening. And no, we are not talking about Sponge. I can't even remember the name of the Sponge album that that we did enjoy. sponge song.